As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Instead of taking up that gym membership that you wouldn't use even if the gyms were open, how's about subscribing to The Athletic for just £4 a month as a New Year's resolution? You'll get unrivaled football coverage with analysis and in-depth features from the very best writers around, exclusive Q&As with Athletic staff and ad-free versions of all of The Athletic's podcasts, including this one. Find out more and sign up today at theathletic.com slash Show. Hello and welcome to the Totally Scottish Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Coming up, Celtic's Dubai debacle, Alexander the Great, and we can't get enough of Guthrie. I'm Andrew Slavin, and alongside me, two people who know how to make a statement, a proper one, from the Motherwell media team. It's Laura Brannan, hello. Hello. And hello to Mr JJ Bull of The Telegraph. Hello. Wow, what a strange hello. Yeah, these are strange times. Yeah. They're strange times. Uh, what 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 the listeners don't know is that uh, JJ Bull has the Loch Ness monster behind him on our little Zoom chat because yeah. he's a monster. Uh, who's not a monster? Gary McKay Stephen. He's back in Scottish football to the delight of you, Laura. Yay. You're a big super fan, aren't you? <laughs> I love GMS. I think it's a. I think anyone who's followed me on Twitter for a long time knows I have a kind of soft spot for GMS and his little giffy smile. Are you happy he's he's off to Hearts, um, arriving from New York City? His deal's expired there. Yeah, I don't know why anyone would ever want to leave New York City, but um, fair play to him, and I think it's a, it's a great signing for Hearts. Um, he's somebody I would have loved to have seen sign for Motherwell, quite a wee bit out, outside of our price range, mind you, but I think he's a great talent for anyone who signs, and it's a very exciting prospect to have in the Hearts team going forward. I'm surprised he didn't go to Aberdeen. You think he'd, that'd be the most likely place for him to go, especially now that there's a lot of noise about Scott Wright leaving, um, possibly for Rangers. I'm sure we'll touch on that later on. Um, but it looks a little bit like Aberdeen don't have quite as much money as they want to at the moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I'm sure we'll cover all, all this later anyway. Yeah, there's, there was other transfer news as well with Paul McMullen um, moving from Dundee United to Dundee in the summer. Uh, something which was announced on Dundee's Twitter with this little video. I found my way to Tannadice Street, yeah, which is home to Dundee United there, yeah. Now, you ain't gonna believe this. And there's Dundee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get that, JJ. 
It is weird though. Like, I remember when I went to, I think I've been to Dens this year, semi final. No, no, wait, Tanner Dice. I've been, to, I've been to both, I think. But yeah, it's pretty nuts how uh, the artist, a literal stone's throw away. Well, I'll tell you what, because coming up, JJ speaks to Livy defender John Guthrie. He's so hot right now. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, so, so, sorry. 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 Um, also, there's a small matter of football below championship level in Scotland being suspended. We're going to talk about that later as well. But we're going to start with some good old-fashioned COVID controversy. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power. Celtic against Hibs, already a slightly controversial fixture prior to, to Monday because it had been moved to accommodate the champions' trip to Dubai for warm weather training. And on Monday, it became possibly the most controversial fixture of the season. Um, 13 players, as well as Neil Lennon and assistant John Kennedy, were told to self-isolate as their trip came back to bite them. It was a mental morning on Monday. Um, What are your reactions to to the build-up to that game? Because there was a lot of anger, wasn't there, JJ? I want to hear Lauren at first. She's going to be much better. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay, right. Let's bring everyone up to speed. So this game got changed in November and Hibs basically said, well, we didn't want the game to get moved to the Monday and we don't want the game to get moved to Monday, but it seems to be over and above us. SPFL made a decision. So yeah, they weren't happy about that. Since then, fans have questioned why Celtic went to Dubai because of the the, the current situation in general. We're all stuck at home. We're, We're not allowed to see our families Um, and they're getting to travel across the halfway across the world and from a club perspective I kind of questioned like we we all want winter breaks just now Um, (laughs) like all the players need to rest and recuperate it's not just Celtic but they created one for themselves so I think you need to kind of break it down um, what's happened since so Celtic confirmed that Julianne returned a positive test and as a result 15 people have had to isolate as well Look, people are getting up in arms about this and angry at a lot of different aspects to this storyline. The way I see it is, one, should they have created a winter break for themselves? No. Uh, were they allowed to go to Dubai? Yes. They weren't breaking rules in that sense. Um, three, have they massively miscalculated the feeling at home right now in terms of going away? Yes, I think that is a ma- massive part of this. The optics are look terrible. Um, and four... Would this have happened had they stayed at home? Uh, Celtic made the point that, yes, this could have happened had they stayed at home. Yes, they could have had a COVID, a positive test, but they wouldn't have had 15 other people have to isolate as a result of that because they would have been training and, and living the same normal life they have in Scotland week in, week out, like the rest of the season. But because it, this has come from, uh, going by Celtic statement, they are saying as a result of their bus and plane journeys, that the track and trace has kicked in and they deem that people have been too close to each other. So, no, it wouldn't have happened had they stayed at home. There's a lot of things that people are getting angry about right now. It's, it's, it's such a bizarre situation because, like you said, it was all cleared by the, the government um, that this could be this, this journey could be made in November, but the landscape totally changed within two months. Um, so it's bizarre and it's led to this situation where they go into a game against Hibs um, where Hibs actually had to, well, they didn't have to. They they requested um, for Celtic to be tested again, which was denied um, first from Celtic and from the SFA. 
That's a strange one. The track and trace has identified 15 people um, that need to isolate. So it means that the other X amount do not have to isolate. So there isn't really a reason for them to require testing um, because by government restrict government rules, everyone in society is meeting right now. There's no reason to suspect that they have came into contact with the, neg- the positive person. So when, when you say track and trace, are you basing that on them actually using the actual app, or is it not? No, just it's, that it's they the have same idea. Yeah, it's the right. same idea. It's the same protocols that we all use. Um, it's just that they kick in, and it's just done in a different mechanism as opposed to the app. It's they kind of have a, a list that they tick off and stuff, mm-hmm. and people talk mm-hmm. to each other. Um, I, I find it odd that everyone keeps saying the government gave them permission. Um, the government, I don't think, literally said yes. You are allowed to go. I think they have relayed the facts to them. Um, and I Celtic said, have, have you asked mum yet? <laughs> well, yeah, they, they've kind of relayed the facts to them in a way of saying, well, look, it's not literally breaking rules, but let's be sensible here. Um, and I, that to me sounds a wee bit like if you can ask your parents if you can go to a party and they're kind of like, well, we can't say no because you're technically, yes, you're... Yeah. Okay, but, 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 but don't, on, don't be on. stupid. <laughs> hold on. Is is this is this maybe not a failure of of many um, parts of of governing bodies? You know, the SFA, SPFL, the Scottish government, and Celtic. This isn't Celtic's um, issue alone. So oh, maybe completely agree. I completely agree. I think this is, as you're saying, it's many points all mixing together, and it seems to have all just kind of come to a head. Uh, it could be you could pluck so many different things. Um, why have the government not closed the borders in that sense? Why are they letting you go to Dubai right now when it's we're all in lockdown? Why have the SFA not been stricter on Celtic when they knew these plans? Why have Celtic made these decisions when they know the environment? And why have these rules not been in place beforehand? Like the SFA are, are quite reactive to things rather than. Um, looking ahead and, and noticing these problems in advance, they just kind of like to to react them after they've happened, which is a kind of problem in Scottish football. And there was there was a lot more uh, confusion as well when um, the team lineups came out and Shane Duffy's name was on the team sheet, uh, and this was this was a player who had left the Dubai training camp. Um, had flown back early for personal reasons and John Kennedy, the assistant manager, um, spoke to media saying that now that Duffy is out of the team bubble, he will not play against Hibs. But the understanding is he posted a, a negative, he took a test ahead of this game and it was negative, so he was able to play. But it's again, it's just another bizarre, confusing moment in Scottish football, Laura. I think that's confusing part because of how Kennedy worded it. Um, I was a bit confused and I think I was talking to you in our group chat saying why is Duffy playing and I kind of worked it out. So Celtic are taking their isolation period is from the Wednesday. I think Duffy left on the Monday. It was before the Wednesday anyway. Um, he also, so he flew back on a public flight which would normally, if he'd flew to Glasgow for example, he would have had to have isolated for 10 days from that date which is the rules that have came in to force in the last day or two. But he flew to England to to see his family for this personal issue. So he's not subjected to the same reasons. He's he's part of the travel corridor where any member of the public can fly to Dubai and back to England and not have to isolate. Um, and I think part of the protocol is you've got to return one or two negative tests um, when returning to the club. And because he's done that since returning to the club, he was OK to play. 
I'm just going to read out this this um, statement from from Hibs because they they did want Celtic to test their players ahead of the game, which is seems a fair request. It says this: it says we regarded this as a reasonable request given the incubation period of the virus, but unfortunately our request was refused. The SPFL made clear that not fulfilling the fixture would have severe consequences for Hibernian. The club also notes that we are being asked to fulfil this fixture less than two weeks from our bet. Fred Cup semi-final. Hibs have been given assurances though that they can uh, postpone that semi-final with St Johnston if any COVID issues arise. But it does seem like a fair request. I mean, I kind of think it's a fair request when, you know, the news blows up, does it not? Yeah, it seems like it probably is. And especially if you have, I mean, these are footballers who are also human people who um, might be slightly concerned about having to play against others who may not show symptoms yet but have this virus, which they could then pass on to other people. Could even affect themselves. Like, no one has any. This is one of the things with it with footballers is that nobody knows quite what it does to you long term. So it could be even that you find some footballers in the future, this is a bit trying to, I'm not trying to say this will actually happen, but it might affect their careers, it might affect their running. I know, I know like um, Newcastle in England have had a couple of players who have really struggled. Uh, with the effects of it especially Steve Bruce has talked about that a bit uh, I don't know if there's any in Scotland that have had that but that's a real thing so if you're not wanting to go into your workplace because you've heard that some lads have come back from Dubai on a jolly and uh, they may or may not have something that you don't want to get I think it's within their rights to ask them but then Celtic are it's the thing that because the rules are there Celtic within their rights to do what they've done what they should have done is not go to Dubai <laughs> well this is that I mean what other club in um, top level football has went away uh, for some warm weather training. I can answer that. None. Yeah. None have done that. We're all people, and we all have to live through this, and we all can't see family. And I get that elite sport is important for keeping people at home because it's entertainment, and people can watch it and sit in their bums. Um, and it's good because it's part of our jobs. We get to talk about it. But it just it is utterly demoralising when you see this and then the news comes out that tests positive and it's just when is this going to end? Also the thing is if if they just had that one positive test I don't think it would have been that big a deal people get COVID uh, when footballers are getting COVID it's not a, a like it's not a taboo subject to say that a, a footballer's got it but it's when the track and trace element kicks in we shouldn't be seeing 15 people then drop out as a result of it. And that's what has caused even more of an uproar over this storyline. Especially from a player who was out for four months injured, who so has no need to go <laughs> yeah, on Yeah, another great point, training. JJ. But I mean, that's, I mean, the whole point of, right, so the whole point of their trip is not just for a bit of a reset, it's because they've won the quadruple treble and it's given them a lot, even a reward, a reward. It's to get them away, the pressure they've been under, all that sort of stuff, that was to get them away. It's been really poorly timed, the... Like Laura said, the optics are horrible on it. I think Andy Walker spoke very well in um, Sky Sports earlier when he was speaking about how Celtic are supposed to be a kind of community social-based club yeah. and aware of the problems that their fan base uh, have to deal with. And uh, it seems like, I don't know, they're, I, I think they should remember that they're allowed to be wrong and it's nothing wrong with admitting you're wrong on certain occasions. Uh, a lot of money went into that trip and I think you can see why they went, but it's it just doesn't look very good. But we could talk about football as well. Um, just just, yeah, just finding that point. Um, oh. It's just, just finding that point. It's just it's also just a kind of stark reminder on a day when every level of football bar the top two divisions gets postponed for three weeks. I mean, I say postponed, 
who knows if this is even going to come back. So you've got leagues that are dealing with having lost out on football again. They're, they're temporarily shutting down. I mean, we can say it's for three weeks, but there's there's problems that arise out of that. And I know we'll talk about it more in, in more detail, but by the time that football resumes for them, for example, the transfer window will have closed. So their seasons are so heavily impacted and their fans are going to be impacted if this doesn't come back for them. So it's almost like a, a stark reminder of they're getting nothing and Celtic are wanting everything. And I think we just need to find some sort of happy medium here just to take stock, appreciate what we've got, not get carried away and let's not do anything silly to get football scrap because that's the last thing that anyone wants. If anyone who's listening wants to find out more about Celtic's trip to Dubai and the debacle surrounding it, uh, Kieran Devlin has done a really good article on The Athletic. Um, it's sitting there and it's, it's a really, really good read, a deeper delve into what the goings on, uh, what happened and how it all came around. It does feel a little bit like this Celtic um, trip, which was obviously training, uh, does sniff a little bit of... Uh, like when two couples go on holiday to try and save the relationship and it's came back and it's melted, absolutely melted, meltdown at Celtic. But let's talk about football, JJ. That's what we wanted to do. Um, I'm better at that. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I, I kind of thought this was a fairly dull game. You might have thought differently. Um, but oh, thankfully, David Turnbull lit things up. But you can tell me a bit more about the game, JJ. Well, I'll tell you why I really enjoyed watching it. It's because I really wanted him to do them. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people might be in the same. Even Celtic fans are annoyed about the way the club's done it. Um, just on that, on that note, quickly, like the other thing Walker was saying is how it might be not up to the players or Neil Lennon even about this trip. Like they've been told to go people upstairs. It's people above who maybe called that. The actual game, I thought Hibs were really poor, a real lack mm-hmm. of quality. What we really saw though um, was how I think um, Ismaila Soro is like a real player. And I also think David Turnbull is one of the best young Scottish players I have seen. <laughs> Agreed. Uh, I, there's a, there's rumours at the moment that Arsenal are looking at taking Ryan Christie in because they want someone who can play in the kind of 10 role and Christie would be able to do that. I, I think Turnbull's a better player already. They're like a goal-scoring central midfielder. He's, he's like an 8 and a 10, uh, somewhere in between. But every single pass goes forward. And the the it's not, not, his free kick was amazing, right? Sure enough. But one thing I noticed most about Turnbull in this game, it sounds really nerdy, but I'm, I swear this is true. In about the 75th minute or something, Turnbull was right back near his... Well, he's at left-back position, basically, near his own box and was getting chased by about one or two Hibs players the whole time who were right on him, harassing him, really strong on him. Just didn't even look like fussed about it whatsoever. And then he would move the ball on forward, get it back again, snap straight to him, just turns him a little bit, takes his time. Everything seems to slow down around him and the ball mm. goes forwards. Forwards. <laughs> Only really good players can do that. It's the kind of thing you see from, uh, this is sounds stupid as well, like Barcelona kind of players, like La Masia graduates. There's ones you can take the ball in and they already know where the next one's going and it's mm-hmm. forwards. It's such a skill. Well, yeah, player of the month for December. You called that, Laura. Um... And and it was funny looking at Celtic's team. Um, I, I saw the average age was twenty three tonight. Obviously, a lot of players being out, but the keepers were busy because Matt Macy, who's just came in from Arsenal, had to make some saves early on. Well, late on in the first half, uh, but Hibbs ended up, you know, getting an equaliser with four minutes left on the clock. It, well, I think it was an injury time, wasn't it, Laura? And I think I think a lot of people not watching the game will have looked at that score at full time and went, "Oh yeah, we called that." because of the, the circumstances going on around it today. like It's a great point for Hibs. Um, 
But apart from that, I think one of the other big points for them tonight was Lou Stevenson getting his 500th appearance for the club. What what a legend. I mean, he's 33 years old. He's played his entire life at the club. He made his debut back in 2005. Yeah. I was still at school in 2005, and that feels like a long, long time ago. Um, I mean, you look at the team when he was playing. Derek Riordan scored that day. <laughs> it seems like a, a, a lifetime ago. Uh, what a guy, though, um, to come on 500 appearances for a club and to do it with still years left of his career as well. Yeah, he's to be applauded, definitely. I think we saw from um, Macy that he'll be, uh, he's been at Arsenal, I think, as I'm going yeah. off football manager for a long time. He's been there forever, basically. Um, he's six foot seven, but what we saw from him is that he can save shots very well. He's a good shot stopper. I don't know what he's like reaction wise, uh, but his kicking is terrible. <laughs> uh, that's one thing to look out for. Uh, yeah. It could just be a bad day for him, but he was like the technique was really really poor. Uh, Nisbet though, good for fantasy football. Another little goal, lovely stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I think he's now joint top goal scorer um, in the SPFL after that strike. Wow, um, really really good. Um, I, I just wonder, like, do do you think that this is a the way that Hebs played? It's a big missed opportunity f- for for them and Jack Ross. I mean, I don't really know. Maybe you think because Celtic have a weaker team, but they still had better players. And honestly, Sorrow and Turnbull were so good they could have won the game on their own. And I think I think Celtic will be disappointed with the draw. I think Hibs will be disappointed with the draw. But they needed to play a lot better. They can be a lot better than this. When they had the ball on the deck, they were decent enough with it. But they were too often just getting shelled, and then they were launching the ball out. And it's not they're better than that. Well, um, I know that Celtic have recalled Scott Robinson from his loan spell at Gillingham because they've got Livingston on Saturday um, and it's probably going to be much of the same side that, that people would have saw on Monday night that will play against them. But we'll speak about Levy a little bit later. And up next, Alexander and Aberdeen. At Paddy Power, we know competition for the remote control can be fierce at the weekends. So, in order to give the non-football-loving occupants of your house something to do, here are some of our top suggestions. Go for a walk. Walk the dog. Walk to the shops. Go cycling. Cycle the dog. Recycle the dog. Just go! All very good options, we say. And that's not the only one. If one leg of your 4-plus-fold acre lets you down, get a free bet on all football leagues and all markets. Paddy Power. Max free bet £10, min odds 1 to 5 on each leg on an exclusive exclude shop bets, tees and tees apply, 18 plus big gamble away.org. On Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker and now ad-free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. Kent, Morello, brilliant goal! It's fabulous from Rangers, it has to be said, and Alfredo Morelos finishes it beautifully Alfredo Morelos bagged a brace to secure a 15th Premiership win in a row for Rangers after Aberdeen were reduced to 10 men after just 26 minutes and I'll, I'll start with with the red card um, Ryan Hedges it's the 13th red card in the last 7 meetings between Aberdeen and Rangers was it a red JJ? a tasty affair uh, <laughs> Nom, nom, nom. Uh, was it a red? <laughs> don't know. I've been debating this for a while. I'm still not really sure. I think some referees think it is, some don't. The, the law says that if it's um, deliberate contact, I think that's the one you look out for. If, it's deliberate, if he's deliberately tried to not play the ball, yeah, um, and he hasn't done it on purpose, but he has still taken him out, it's definitely a penalty. Uh, I think it's. It, I think you want a red card if it's for your team. <laughs> yeah, it's down the middle. I know where you're coming from. Uh, it's, I think it's, it's harsh it's, because it's harsh, isn't it? Trying yeah. to. I, I mean, I'm not trying try to second guess what his thinking in it here, but it kind of looks like he's trying to get away from the situation. 
Definitely. He's trying to shoot him across. The way he taps him is he's trying to move his body weight over to get the other yeah. side of him so he can block a shot. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of feels like a double punishment because... De- of, yeah. I, I think the rule is harsh. I mean, I, I hated the rule when it was a triple punishment, but th- it's just... It's too much in one go. And as well, as soon as it happens, it's the game done. <laughs> and and it, so was was quite, it was a bit end-to-end before that point as well, wasn't it? Um, was it? Well, there was the thing with Aberdeen games is they start well for the first 10 minutes and if they don't get a goal in that first 10 it's basically nothing happens until they get a penalty. <laughs> well, it's a good I'm, thing I'm James Tavernier be... missed the penalty then, isn't it? That's true. I'm not trying to be down on it or anything like that. It's just genuinely, it, it seems to be that teams figure them out after about 10, 15 minutes yeah. and all the early buzz they've got just disappears, just dissipates and they don't have much much about them. Um, Curtis Main could have been sent off as well. I don't know. What, actually, what do you think of this? I think I think that is more of a red card offence than than Ryan Hedges. Well, that's because it's more pur- purposeful and um, yeah. What was the word? Like he, I mean, you don't you don't go in like that on someone, do you? But it's not a red. It's a, it's a yellow. Same as Hedges is probably yeah. No, is I disagree. I think I think I think you could put that under the rules of malicious intent. He has gone in to harm the player. He said he got the ball, and I know he got a, a bit of the ball. Um, but I think with his boot that high um, and the pace that he's going into that, that challenge, I, I, I wouldn't have been surprised to see a red. He's just a split second late to the, the ball. Alan McGregor, you can hear him on one of the replays shouting, is that not what he shout? Is that what he shouted? How many boxes have you got to tick? That's what he said. <laughs> I don't know, but I think McInnes knows what he's doing when he puts Maine on the team sheet. He got subbed off almost straight after that, to be fair. Well, that was a good decision. Um, and he needed to come off tactically. There was no need to have two strikers on for that long as well. And it's, um, listen, it's it, it was a good weekend for, for Alfredo Morelos, something that Steven Gerrard would be delighted with because Kimar Roof is, is going to be out for a, a couple more weeks. I think that's three goals in three games now for him. Um, and he's turning it on at the right time considering he hasn't um, hasn't scored a lot this season. Um, he's not very good this season, I don't think. Not. He kind of had flashes of... The good old Alfie back again. That's kind of he was so instrumental to this game. I think Rangers haven't needed Morelos as much this season because other players have stepped up to the plate. But I mean, a strong Morelos isn't going to do any harm. It just I see a pattern of every week there tends to be a standout star man for Rangers. Um, last week it was McGregor. This week it's Morelos, and it feels like every week somebody is is doing their part um, to go above and beyond that. that team unity uh, team spirit um, and really stand out and this week it was Morelos three goals in three games it's, it's good to see him back well, I, I was going to ask you JJ because I think you, you'll get an, or be able to gauge this better than any of us will but with the news that Scott Wright obviously he's out of contract in the summer and the news is that he's linked with Rangers I mean how will Aberdeen fans sit with that they've obviously got history with Ryan Jack going down there as well well, they can pay a lot more money and they can win stuff. So it's this is the thing. I mean, Neil Cooper managed it, right? <laughs> you can go for Aberdeen to Rangers. It's the thing you can do. Um, Theo Schnelder's played there as well, didn't he? I don't know. It's it's a thing. So like, Scott Wright's from uh, Balmedia, I think, which is a nice little part of the Shire. Like he's near Aberdeen City. He's an Aberdeen fan, I think. Uh, what I've heard is that he wanted to leave for, well, I think, to try and have a career down in England where you can get even more money and possibly get as high high level as you can. But if you play for Rangers, you can play in Europe um, if you're good enough to get in the first team in that. Uh, also noise that Gerard wants to sign him this window. And it would make sense because Rangers don't really have any wingers. They have inside forwards. They don't have they don't have out, you know wide players, really, other than their fullbacks. So that give him a bit of an option. 
Um, but he's been so good for Aberdeen this season. And if they were to go, um, this is the thing that it sounds like. So a few, a few months ago, McKenna said that uh, we're looking at um, they were looking at getting some players in, possibly changing the squad in January. They took they took money in from the Scott McKenna sale, which is a good move to, to take the money in for him. Um, and if anyone were to leave now, I think it's been said that it might actually help things. And you're looking at people like Sam Cosgrove, Lewis Ferguson, and other linked with a move away. Because um, there's no signings coming in now. It's basically been confirmed. I think Greg yeah. Lee's extended his contract. So it, it looks like Aberdeen don't have an awful lot of money like as much as they'd want to. And I, I wonder whether that's to do with um, fans not being back in the stadium. I don't know. I've not been able to, to, to talk to the club about it yet. Uh, but yeah, so there could well be sales in January just to try and get clubs through this. And it's a shame because it'll end up that Aberdeen end up sell, like, selling these players that would have helped them go to another level, say, by bring some new players in. They've just been using the money to get through the pandemic. Yeah, it of course. Sucks. Yeah, it sucks. Well, only four wins in the last twelve as well for for Aberdeen, and you know maybe that maybe that Scott Wright signing, if it happens, I, I know Scott Arfield's out for quite a long period of time. Maybe there's cover there. But um, moving on, Motherwell have got a new manager. Have you heard? Um, former Salford boss Graham Alexander was appointed on Thursday uh, but couldn't end Motherwell's long winless run on Saturday as St Mirren claimed a 1-1 draw on Paisley How was this Laura? It must have been a busy week for you <laughs> It's been a bit of a whirlwind I know I, I do a, a, a documentary for Motherwell called Inside Motherwell kind of monthly and the plans, the production notes I made for it just before Christmas all got scrapped completely different <laughs> it's been a, a kind of every day something different has been happening we've been kind of working on our feet um it's been very busy i've been in a lot of shifts once i get home from work as well <laughs> but it's all fun it's all part of it i've um i've never worked actually um during my time i spent obviously four years at celtic at the start of my career and then now at motherwell for a couple of years i've never experienced a change of manager <laughs> so this is very different for me um it's a very strange process and it's a lot more different from just a player leaving or or resigning or whatever um, it's almost like a, a strange grieving process in a way because you're so used to having somebody there mm-hmm. and just being the leader um, and being in control of everything. So to kind of go through that process of losing him and then having somebody else come in and it's little things. It's little things like um, somebody calls him the gaffer and you go, oh, hold on. <laughs> that's uh, not the gaffer. <laughs> that's somebody else's name. <laughs> it's, it's stupid wee things like that and it's just going to take a, wee, a few weeks. Um, players must be so used to it. Uh, it's just it's just me being sentimental and and daft, but yeah, no, it's good. Um, it was a late one on Thursday night when he did drive up, um, came in, sign his contract, and get do his, his media stuff, get his photos taken, so we could make the announcement and stuff. And then Friday was just an absolute whirlwind. Um, he came in, he had a kind of meeting with the the coaches first thing, um, and it was all very strange. Actually, it was like players walk. Have you, have you met him yet? Have you seen him yet? <laughs> is he in? Where is he? Um, and then. He goes went to training, met the players there, spoke to them for a wee bit, and then took the session. Um, and then afterwards, did his press conference. Um, met all the Scottish journalists, and it was just so busy. Such a busy day for him. Um, and then he said his first game, and then today he's, there's like lots of recruitment chat, obviously with the transfer window being open open just now. And then he's got them doing double training sessions for a couple of days this week as well, just to you know come in, make his mark, just to kind of. See what the players are all about. Um, get him up to speed and see what he thinks of them because he just get thrown into it on Saturday. So it was very much right. Let's get this one out of the way and then we can we can breathe. We can actually make a stamp on this squad. Do, do you think it was Motherwell were unlucky not to get 
a win uh, after that, well, let's say penalty award. I think it was Jamie McGrath, I think, who scored from the spot, wasn't it? Um, yeah. 11 minutes to go. Did Lee Irwin get fouled in the box? I'll leave it to you, Laura, before JJ pipes in. I I haven't heard a lot any many people saying it was a it was a foul. It was um maybe quite a wee wild one from Bobby Madden. Um Bevis McGabby deemed to have clipped his foot. It was quite a delayed award as well. Um I think it was harsh. Did, I think a lot of people his, think it was harsh. Did did he did he consult his assistant on that? Uh I can't be definite, but I think he did. I think that was maybe what the delay was. Because the angle that you see from camera one, like there's no way he can tell if contact's been made. So he's he has to be relying on the reactions of Lee Irwin. JJ, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, there's no one alive who thinks that's a penalty. Come on. I was trying to be diplomatic, JJ. Ah, there's no use. There's enough of that on all the, the other places. You can just say what you think. It's like talking to people in the pub. It's like, madness, right? Well, like, the boy, like, he swings, like, I mean, if you, anyone who's kicked a ball in the park or played five aside or left, anyone who plays, like, you know that's not a penalty. You know he's just swung at it and then fallen over because he's just surrounded by people. It's not a foul. And it's weird. It's one of these examples where I think the referee looks at it and thinks, "Well, it looks like it could be a like it should." He looks be a in pain. Oh. Yeah, it looks. It looks like he should. That shouldn't have happened. It must be a penalty. <laughs> but it's not a penalty. He's not actually watched what's happened fold, like, unfold in front of him. And again, like I said earlier with Celtic, it's okay to be wrong, referees. Like just take a minute, think you, about it. It's all right. You have to be a hundred percent. If you're not a hundred percent, then you can't just give it. And, and then it's hard being a ref, right? Because he sees it and he thinks, "I think that's." But a it's foul. not actually. It's not he really hard. Yeah, but it's not. It's not hard. If 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 you if Bobby Madden turns around and then goes like, "I didn't see it, so I can't give it." Fine, that's human error. That's fine. Anyway, um, you were doing a bit of digging on Graham Alexander, weren't you, JJ? Um, on his on his time at previous clubs. So we know that. Yeah, yeah. Um, what have you found so far? Um, well. I think you're probably going to know more because you studied a lot of the um, the lower leagues with Salford and that. But yeah, he, he's done quite well in the, all his clubs he's been to. What tends to happen is they have a decent start, then he has a really solid second season, and then he gets fired the season after um, for various reasons. It's not that they're underperforming the third season, but uh, I mean that's very Mourinho-esque, isn't it? He does well in the, the second <laughs> three seasons. But um, I think you were saying to me that he likes to play entertaining football, but he's got a reputation. Um, I have found my research of kind of being more direct, which sounds like he wants to play football a certain way, but often can't because he needs to get the results, which will be 100% exactly the right kind of thing you want to have in the Scottish Premiership, where playing the nice football, like I keep saying, I mean, that's how I want teams to play, but often you just need to, you know, not be nice, be a, play really kind of horrible football and mash and win the second balls, all that kind of nonsense. Well, yeah, I mean, the thing is, with his time at Salford, um, with all the money that, that he did have there at that level of football, the fifth tier of English football, um, they, they finished third. Ah, uh, but you, you can't just buy the team. You can buy your way out of the league, sort of, right, with all the money. So if you have more money than everyone, you should go up, you should progress. But it doesn't mean you can magically build a team. Like, you put a team together, you know, it takes oh, of time. Course. Yeah. Of course, yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not, um, it's not easy at all. And considering that was the first season that Salford had ever been at that level, um, so it was a dramatic turnaround in squad. They did finish third. They narrowly got to the playoff final, um, which they actually won quite convincingly. Um, but they had to do it the hard way, um, and you know that's a credit to to his setup as well as a manager. Also, Liam Kelly's back. 
Yes. Look at that. He just snuck in from QPR. I saw him play at QPR a couple of years ago. Oh, last year? A year before? I can't remember what year it is. He arrived yeah. two days before Alexander, I believe, Laura. Is that right? Yeah, he came in just before him. First signing of the January window. I think he's going to be good. I think he, he looks very assured. Um, didn't have a lot of saves to make on Saturday, so yet to kind of judge him on his shot-stopping skills. But he's he did really well for Levy. Um, I don't really remember individually seeing him. Um, I've seen the games he played in, but I remember he did well for them. He yeah, really he good. He ranks thought, Rangers yeah. as well. So he's, he's had a good upbringing. Feels like he's been around for a while, but he's still quite young. Um, I think he's good because we've obviously we're, we're still waiting the news from Trevor Carson Jordan Archer's now away um, he's back down south um, Aaron Chapman clearly had an, a, a kind of a, a bad game um, against Hamilton Ackies um, <laughs> yeah just so, a little blip and uh, PJ Morrison's now back as well from his loan spell at Falkirk and he was on the bench um, on the weekend so it's interesting to see if he is now going to be considered as the club's number two going forward or if Aaron Chapman might come back into that um, those boots so we've had a lot of keepers in the books this season Liam Kelly's our seventh goalie <laughs> um, it's been a bit of a strange one in terms of goalkeepers it's like the spinal tap drummer he'll explode <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> I love that. Mother will have a number. How, do you say seven goalkeepers? Yeah. That's how many you've had. Well, yeah, because, at once. Well, no. <laughs> they've all been injured. Because <laughs> obviously um, Scott Fox came in at the start of the season and was so unfortunate, did his cruciate in pre-season almost, I think it was. So he's been out. And the only one that's not either been injured or been on loan is Matty Conley and he's 17 years old but he came in at the start of pre-season to help basically carry the kit around um, and he got kept on the drum because, kit because <laughs> he, he impressed so much that the goalie coach was like well no I want to keep you involved and he's been the only remaining feature throughout the entire um, seven goalkeepers that has been there throughout it all well let's hope that Liam Kelly doesn't blow up against Rangers next weekend um, coming up next John Guthrie on Life at Levy. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Podcasts, Spotify, Smart Speaker, and now ad free on The Athletic. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show with Andrew Slaven. What about Livy? Martindale's men made it six wins in a row in the Premiership as they saw off Ross County 3 1 on Sunday. Earlier on today, JJ spoke to Livingston defender John Guthrie about their huge transformation. I sure did. I want to know what do you think's changed tactically since Martindale's taken charge for the team? Um, I think it's hard to probably, you know, name one or two things. I think it's just a general thing. I think, you know, everyone's so confident at the minute. Um, you know, everyone's going into the games so positively. I think, we, you know, we look such a threat. We, we At the start of the season, we were um, conceding too many goals. I think we've worked since, you know, Davies took over. We've worked a lot on um, getting back to clean sheets, obviously, what we were good at last season. Um, you know, we spoke about keep it tight at the back. We know our players are going to create chances and score goals. So it was down to us, you know, particularly as a back four and a keeper to, you know, start um, 
keeping more clean sheets, um, which we've started to do. We've started to concede less, and I think, obviously, the boys are still scoring goals, but so seems to be working at the moment. Was there work done? I know like that your team's conceded quite a lot from set pieces. Mm. Was there a lot done so far since Martinville took charge on that particularly? Yeah, yeah, there has been, to be fair. Um, we work hard. We, it's something like, like you mentioned, it's something we spoke about um, conceding too many from set pieces, which as a team we shouldn't really do. You know, we've got some big boys in the team, some good leaders, um, mm. so it's something we let ourselves down with. So no, we have worked a lot on that um, and it definitely seemed to be getting better at that. So yeah, that's a big plus. What, but how have you done it though? Like, is there different sessions he's putting on, or have you got someone to put? Yeah, on so we, we we go through it quite a lot. Um, you know, we've done we have done quite a lot of tactical work. You know, eleven v elevens. You know, you're working on our set pieces. You know, just literally getting back to the basics. Him talking us through what exactly he wants from us. And I think, you know, there's no one in that team who doesn't know their role. Um, everyone knows what they're in the team to do. Like back to the set pieces. Everyone knows their role. Everyone knows their job. So there's no ifs or buts. Is there even a change? Like I don't know. I don't know this um, off the top of my head. But uh, did Gary Holt use like a zonal, and now you use man to man or the reverse or anything like that? We we haven't really changed. We we sort of still do some sort of from wide free kicks. We still have our, our zones. We have a line, but it's just more the, the individuals in that know exactly what they're to do now. There was maybe a few ifs or buts before. Um, nothing, nothing major to be honest. It's not been any major changes. It was just about uh, you know going over and over and over until we get it right, basically. Yeah, well, it's working. So. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um, well, what else has changed in training? Because I mean, like Holt did well with the team, right? So I, yeah. I assume you enjoyed playing under him. Yeah, definitely. No, yeah, really enjoyed it. Has it changed a lot? Is the atmosphere changed at the club at all, or is it the way the training's been conducted? Anything like that? I think the atmosphere has changed definitely, but I think mean, that basically come from winning games. Um, right. Obviously, before. We were on a bad spell, so it's only natural, you know, everyone's a bit quiet, everyone's down. You know, you pick up a few results, pick up wins, and you can see that, you know, everyone's coming into training, buzzing, um, going into games, everyone's so confident. Um, but to, to be fair, I think even under Holt, you know, the atmosphere here has been good. You know, the boys are top quality, everyone gets on. The staff were always good with us. Um, Davey in particular is a really positive guy, as all the staff are, so they, they, keep, us, they keep us lifted. Um, but yeah, like at, at the moment, it's... It's a joy to come into, you know, everyone's is bouncing around the place, making jokes, laughing, but, you know, knuckling down when we need to. Has there been any sort of plan around making you the top scorer? <laughs> no, there wasn't, but I'm starting to think there should be. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't really know where it's come from, to be fair. It's sort of, throughout my career, I wasn't really known as like a goal-scoring centre-back, but I seem to have come up. We do do a lot of work on it, to be fair. It's not by luck that, we, you know, we're, we're good at set pieces and we seem to score goals. Um, but, you know, the ball seems to be... Just landing to me at some points. Um, so now hopefully it can continue. But I think, to be fair, we've not really got someone that's going to score like a like a over double figures goals. You know, everyone's chipping mm. in, which is good for the team. Um, so if I can keep that up, that'll be good. Okay, cool. And uh, in terms of the rest of the season, I mean, I'm sure you'll give the the usual one game at a time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, how's it going just now? Because it's obviously it's working well. Do you think you're riding a lot of momentum? Is that it's quite hard to find that in football? And- Definitely, I think it you know works both ways. Um, you know, earlier on this season we were probably in like a, a losing streak. It's hard to snap out of that. Yeah. On the other side of it, now we're we're in a winning streak. You you know the momentum, like you said, is massive. Um, you sort of you go into games, you know, feeling unbeatable. Kind of you know going into games expecting to win, um, no matter who we're playing. Obviously, we've got a tough run coming up, but um, our mindsets won't change. And like you said, it is one game at a time. But um, we'll see how it goes. Great work, JJ. Oh, thanks. 
<laughs> I'm a journalist. You know? Superb stuff, mate. I mean, I just I, I'm losing um, words to describe Livingston. I'm so impressed with him. Currently fifth, three games in in hand on Hibs. I reckon they've got a great shout on Europe and they've got Celtic as well this weekend, a depleted Celtic squad as well for that. And I was looking back at the the previous results at the Tony Macaroni. Celtic haven't won there in the last three visits. I think they're, they're just such a very difficult team to beat. The way they set up, the way they kind of go about their business, they're a very tough team to play against. And I know that's such a cliche for teams to come out and say, oh, it's going to be a tough game at the weekend. And I hate, I hate when players say that. Um, it's just such an easy way out. But I feel like with Livy, it's actually true. Um, it's never an easy game. Even if you end up, I mean, we went, we were there earlier in the season, we won 2-0. It was still not an easy game, despite it being one of the, the actual few games we've won this season. Um, they, they are in and around that European spot um, fight this season the same as they were last season they were not that far off last year remember this is not a new thing for them I feel like they're kind of the way they're going around this time this season last season etc um, it kind of feels like harping back to the old days when they first came into the league and they were such a force not as strong obviously I'm not going to go that far but they've got the potential to really push on and, and be that kind of levy team of, of yonder yonder? is yonder forwards? Yonder back. Yonder. <laughs> that's one of those words. That's never one of those words that you just never say in real life. But. It's like I've heard it, but I have no idea what it means. I know. I'm exactly the same. That's good. Living it genuinely, though. Um, back at what Laura's saying. Uh, one of the reasons they are so hard to play against is they work very hard off the ball, but it's organised. Their uh, pressing intensity, if you look at their under the hood statistics, is always very high. But like throughout the match, they don't really dip. So it's not that they're just sitting deep and letting teams come at them. And uh, one of the things they had under, when they were under Gary Holt, was they would play a lot of long balls and then they would be uh, quite aggressive and then they'd win that back and they'd press high at the pitch after the ball would be moved up. And now they're sort of, they're they're mixing that a little bit. The transition's coming to how Martin Deal wants to play, which I think is a bit shorter. Um, but they're just playing very well. And like we spoke about, I think it was maybe last week, week before, since they've put a goalkeeper in uh, between the, the frame of the goal who can stop the ball going into it, that has made a real difference to how they stop conceding. And also, they've improved massively at set pieces in that they haven't conceded so many in the last little while. Now, it'd be interesting to see whether that was just a correction of an underperformance from earlier in the season, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Yeah. But, like, it could be that Martindale's done some genius things. It could also be that there's a lot of uh, correction happening and Libby is actually quite good. I'm, I'm not really quite sure. They're, I would want to play against them just now. That any team, I don't think, would want to play against them. They've got all momentum. Uh, decent players, and like Laura said, they're very hard to, to break down. And I must say, they, they, they've actually got Aberdeen on Wednesday night. Um, oh, good. So it's not it's not Celtic next, but it will be Celtic after Aberdeen. Um, I just think there's something about Martindale, I don't know. I think he really, really gives the players a, a, a certain uh, positiveness about when they go out there. I think he said at half-time, um, when he was speaking um, post-match, he was saying that like, the game will open up. Um, and it's no surprise that they scored two goals in the final 10 minutes. Alan Forrest and Jack Hamilton um, both involved um, as substitutes uh, being involved in those goals. There just seems to be, like you guys have said, uh, a never-say-die attitude uh, to to Livingston at the moment. Unlike Dundee United and St Johnston, uh, their games didn't play off uh, because it was called off. 
due to a frozen pitch less than two hours before kickoff. That game's going to take place on Tuesday night. Um, so we're going to finish off with Kilmarnock, who got the job done against Hamilton on Sunday with a 2-0 win. A brace for Greg Kilty on his 100th appearance for Kilmarnock, a player that I've, I've I really, really liked for a while. He seems like he's been around for a while. Uh, earned rave reviews, uh, not just from, from us, but... Um, from the wonderful Marie Osmond, who tweeted, congrats on the big win, Kilmarnock and Greg Kilty. If you don't know, uh, she had a hit in the 70s uh, with Paper Roses, and the club used that as uh, the club anthem. Absolutely I mean, you know who Donny Osmond is. Everyone knows who he is. Who? Uh, Greg Kilty, though. <laughs> Donny Osmond. Yeah, no. Yeah, he plays left wing for Kilmarnock. Greg Kilty <laughs> is one of the cheap players on fantasy football. Um... I and left him on my bench. Well, you were a fool because, <laughs> here you go, playing really well. But he's one of the ones we've talked about during the season is one of the kind of differentials that you can put in in your team. The one thing that stands out for me is that Hamilton just keep getting knocked with um, with injuries because even before um, the players would have arrived at the pitch, um, Aaron Martin uh, had to pull out of the game because he got an alert on his phone from Track and Trace, so he couldn't even play. So that's why it was such a young defence for Hamilton. So even though they'd had two clean sheets ahead of this game, their preparation was thrown out the window. It's just tough for them right now. Um, So yeah, Kilmarnock maybe did do just enough to win this game, but they were playing a, a team that just maybe weren't ready. I think Kelly looked good. And going by what the kind of fans were saying, they were really chuffed with... Um, just the, the kind of overall, the overall team unity spirit and everything. It just looked like what they've been crying out for in recent weeks. I think Malumbu looked good. Obviously, Kelty as well. Uh, Stuart Finlay, Alan Power as well was one that was getting a lot of praise. Um, maybe, maybe it was just a day that they all just clicked, um, and it's just not been happening for them recently. But I mean, it's it's unbeaten in three now. Um, runs have got to start somewhere, and two clean sheets out of those three as well. So. Look, if they can build on it, they'll look back and this is the start of the turnaround. I mean, I mean, anything will look good when you have the month that Kilmarnock had uh, last month, where I think they had five straight defeats or something like that. The thing about Kilmarnock, Andrew, yeah, and Laura, if you're listening, is uh, <laughs> I think the recent weeks, right, they tend to just kind of play the same every single time. They don't have a, a, a change. And like we were saying about Hamilton, they had a, what do you call it, a makeshift defence, I guess. But in the second half of this game especially, Kilmarnock pressed, or their defensive line was a lot higher than it normally is. Tend to sit quite deep and engage the opposition quite uh, late in the games, so maybe like halfway or something like that. In this game, they were pushing far higher. And it might have something to do with them playing with slightly different shapes. They had um, Kilty playing as a 10 behind the striker, which means you've got an extra body there. So you can sort of def- you can defend high up the pitch in a diamond because you've got your two wide midfielders join up. Um, which really helps, but you can see if you watch it in the second, the second half especially. The first half, I think it was mostly the kind of the same Kilmarnock you always see. Second half, I can see what fans are talking about it being a little bit better, but I think by better, it's just more entertaining by being more attacking. By doing that, they're going to open themselves up, so they won't do that against good teams, not to totally like rain down on Hamilton. But sure, yeah. you, you know, if you if you play and push high, you're susceptible to balls over the top, and they almost were a couple of times. And it also means you leave space through the middle for people to pass through. But if you can't really pass through the middle of a team, you want to push them high because all they can do is clear it and you can just collect the ball again um, and then work your way through. So, you know, it's weird. Like, I don't really understand quite what Kamarnik are at the moment. I think it maybe this is a sign that Dyer wants to do something different with them. 
But uh, whether they have the players to be able to play like that, whether they'll do it every single week is another question entirely that you haven't asked me. Let's talk about some uh, fantasy football because that's coming up. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Fantasy Football Scotland tweeted on Monday, picked a good season to launch a Scottish fantasy football game. Don't worry though, we still love you. Uh, it was game week 23 uh, that's just gone by and for anyone wondering, the rearranged Dundee United St Johnston match on Tuesday will count as part of this game week. Have you guys got John Guthrie? We've had him on the show. Have you got him in your, in your... I feel like I have to get him in now. <laughs> I told you weeks ago to get him in. Well, I've got Devlin in already, so I didn't want to have another Livingston defender Oh, I put Scott here. Pittman in as well this week. Nice. I can officially say it is now time to get rid of Greg Taylor. I was wrong the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> when are you right? Hey, Tavernier got me minus points. After all the praise I've given him this season and all the the punts to get him into your fantasy team. Minus yeah, it was, two. Yeah, what disappointing for Captain Tav. Um, good for Morelos. I wonder if he's one to try and sneak into your team now. Maybe he's going to hit a, a good run of form. I don't know how much he is, actually, if I'm on the top of my head. Uh, he is 8.2 million which is quite a lot. That is the second most expensive player behind Odson Edward, who's 8.4. Mental. Yeah, it's quite a lot. Basically, mm-hmm. you want to put all your big money into the big Rangers defenders because they don't concede goals. Um, Alan Forrest, uh, brother of James, scorer of goals, mm-hmm. doing well for Livingston. Everyone at Livingston is basically a good player to have in just now because they're on form. That's what you want. The rest of them are kind of... I think Hibs players are kind of all over the place I don't think you want anyone really from Kelly maybe Chris Burke if he can find some form no, maybe kill him because he's cheap yeah, yeah but as well Tuspel's not too bad a shit no but they're, 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 well. the team's not playing that well that's the thing it's no, like they're not really but formed. then I look at the fixtures um, Hibs Kelly's a kind of good one I think um, Alex Gogic could we keep it a clean sheet he's a midfielder though isn't he listed do you not I get thought. oh you don't get points for midfielders keep it a clean sheet damn it well, okay, well, they might get goals, so he might be in on the, in the Um, Don't write him off there. I think Hibs and Kelly is definitely a game to look at in terms of players. St. Johnson, St. Mirren as well. Jamie McGrath, doing well for St. Mirren. Yeah, yep. absolutely. Takes and, penalties. And you, you could probably get Brophy in. Um, he might feature far far more now ahead of Lee Irwin. We don't know yet, but he could be one to just sneak in there. Time now to hear from our friends Paddy Power, courtesy of producer Charlie. Charlie, give us some of that sweet midweek odds action. Yes, the next team to enter the Lions' den are Aberdeen. Livingston on fire right now. Six league wins on the spin. We heard JJ's transparent attempts to psych out defender John Guthrie earlier. And Paddy Power do make the Dons slight favourites. They're at 13-8 to while the Dons are 17-10. to Dundee United v St Johnston should be taking place on Tuesday night, fingers crossed. The three previous meetings between the sides this season all ended in draws. Two of those were nil-nil. It's 23-10 to 10 with Paddy Power that we get another draw. And if you want to bet on a nil-nil, because there's nothing more fun than that, the odds are 11-2. to two. Oh, I do love a nil-nil. 
Christ. Uh, you can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, Laura, what happens? Stop. Big news on Monday as it was announced that the Scottish season below championship level was to be immediately suspended for the next three weeks. This is due to the rising number of coronavirus cases. Ewan Booth Robertson from the 2.1 joins us now. I mean, it was a horrible Monday morning, Ewan, to be honest, um, but just sum up what you thought about it all. Did you see this coming? Yeah, I don't want to seem like I'm a pseudo-intellect or anything, but I did feel it was almost inevitable after the restrictions were announced late last week, and it's Look, it's really difficult to argue with the decision with COVID cases escalating and ultimately health is more important than anything during this period. So great to see football come back and that sort of escapism from reality return for so many fans across Scotland, even if you do support our bro for, or Partick Fistler, Queen of the South like yourself. Um, but today's been, to quote the magnificent Malcolm Tucker, an omnishambles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do, do you see it coming back, Ewan? Is it only for three weeks? Am I an optimist or a realist? I'm, I'm probably going to be a realist here and say it's going to be incredibly difficult to envisage it returning. Just the fact that you know, in three weeks' time, are we going to be in a better place in terms of controlling and suppressing the virus in Scotland? It's, it's almost impossible to predict, yet I'll predict that we won't be. And then there's so many other factors that come into play. Will the lower leagues ever be able to come back without testing? Because ultimately that's what it comes down to, and you've also got to factor in the fact that a lot of these teams are part-time, a lot of their players have jobs out with football, they can't always get nights off, the calendar's already massively condensed, it's a tight schedule. The only way I can see football coming back, and I don't think anyone will thank me for saying this, is if they take more games off the lower league season and reduce it from perhaps 27 to 18. Oh. The thing is, June, as well, the, the time that the, if it was only three weeks, the time that the guys would come back, they won't have trained for three weeks because a lot of clubs will furlough their players, so there'll, there'll be fitness issues, but the transfer window will be shut as well. So do these teams, do these teams juggle with their, their finances and go out and buy someone just now, or do they just hold off and run the risk of not getting anyone for if the season does resume? Yeah, it's a fantastic point, Laura, and I don't really have the answer to it. Um, clubs might want to risk maybe strengthening their squad but they've also got the factor to bring into play that players might not want to join a club when there's no realistic time frame of when football is going to come back take Partick Thistle for example the club that I support you know they're probably going to be into the, in the market for players who will also have interest from clubs in the championship as well so if you're a player are you going to take the security of guaranteed football or are you going to take the risk of going to a Partick Thistle or a Falkirk and it's so unfortunate for the likes of Partick Thistle as well, who are a full-time club, one of the one of the few who are full-time at, at those lower levels. But there's there's changes too um, with the championship having to accept they've they've now got to do testing um, for their teams, haven't they? Um, and you've pointed out there's there's about a three hundred and fifty grand gap between government funding for championship clubs and League One clubs. Yeah, it's a huge discrepancy and. When that announcement came out, the, the allocation of funds to me seemed really strange and quite concerning from a point of view that the championship clubs are receiving so much more money than 
the clubs in League One. If you go back to the original government release, this money was to recompensate clubs for a loss of ticket revenue. Now, there's clubs in League One who have lost more money through ticket revenue than clubs in the Championship, yet they're getting £350,000 less money. It, it seems absolutely crazy to me, and the money wasn't distributed as promised, as intended, and there's been no explanation as to why that was. I think Neil Warnock was um, out at the weekend talking about just how how much it could impact fans mentally, um, the kind of mental health side of things, if they were to lose the the aspect of football and their, their team playing. Um, I, I know non-football fans will probably kind of laugh at that notion of, you know, it's just a game. But to us football fans, it, it's, it's so much more than that. And we all desperately need this just now. Can you imagine just what the fans of these lower clubs are kind of going through with this prospect of possibly not having that now? It's another great point. It's a football's a heartbeat of, of society in Scotland, and people who don't like it will laugh at me and say, "Oh, you're exaggerating. You're a football journalist. You're going to say that." But that is the cold light of day. That is the facts. You know, it it means so much to to so many people. I mean, people can't really do anything in life. You know, they can't even go out for a coffee anymore. The chance to watch your club on a Saturday, even on a dodgy PPV stream, and even without your mates and even if they lose, it's still something to look forward to at the end of what can be an incredibly difficult week. And yeah, the mental health aspect of it is massive because people have need something to look forward to. People need something to keep them going during this period. And, and football is that release. You know, it is a escapism from the reality of this terrible time that we find ourselves in. I think I think importantly, like one factor which is okay from this and a redeeming quality is the fact that Clubs are no longer at civil war. You know, they're kind of all came together now and that's another positive, but I don't understand why the lower league clubs have been so victimised in this. For example, say 500 grand it's going to the championship clubs. Say you gave 400 grand to the championship clubs and gave an extra 50 to each club in League 1, an extra 50 grand to each club in League 2. That would probably pay for them to be tested until the end of the season. So you could have feasibly played... Football, the, the gap between the money distributed has to be addressed, in my opinion. I was going to ask you, JJ, um, you know, do we think that Scotland are ahead of the game a wee bit? With, with things so bad, do you think England could even stop? Uh, I, I don't know what to say. It's, uh, who, who knows? Do you think it's, it's more of a money issue? So they're kind of protecting the. But there's top a lot more money in England in, a, in exactly that's, so that's one of the things to think about. It just seems like the virus is totally out of control at the moment. So it's spreading everywhere. There's variants going on that you don't really know about. So you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know if you're going to have to limit sport. It might be that in two months' time, people look back and say, "Why didn't you stop sport? You should have stopped sport." But you just don't know. And like everyone's touched on, it's important to keep things like that going because. Um, it gives so much to so many people. Like yeah. it's really, although there's an awful lot of football, I would quite like it. There's a little bit less. I, I don't want it to go away anywhere. Like <laughs> yeah. I love watching it, and I'm sure there are people who depend on it a, f- a lot more than I do. Um, I don't know if Scotland's ahead of the game. I think, and I also don't think it should be considered that anyone's winning a race. It should be that everyone yeah, just yeah, wants yeah, to get exactly. the hell out of it. And uh, like, I mean, please, as soon as possible. But I, I don't really know how to answer that. Yeah, who knows, right? Who knows? Um, We would also kind of, at this time in the podcast, be looking ahead to the Scottish Cup third round draw, um, but that's suspended also. So, 
on that note <laughs> we're gonna wrap up uh thanks for listening thanks jj and laura thanks to ewan and john guthrie for joining us on the program today uh, and to the little kicks for this awesome theme song cheers charlie for being an awesome producer and we'll be back next tuesday we hope see you then bye You've been listening to the Totally Scottish Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything totally at thetotallyfootballshow.com and by following at the Totally Show on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Totally Scottish Football Show is a Money Knees Media production and sponsored by Paddy Power. The Athletic. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.